saying the large organizations will handle it or a donation will take care of it gets us off the hook. The most meaningful thing that people will ever do in their lives is to serve another person. But they don't know that until they start to give their lives away. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Hello and welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. Our guest today is Palmer Chinchin. Palmer is an author, speaker, and pastor. His newest books, Justice Calling and Barefoot Tribe, challenge the dissipation of generations past. He is convinced we can do more to stop injustice, end extreme poverty, and live generously. Palmer, welcome to the show. It's great being on, Joey. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited that we got to connect. Before we dive into our topic today, which I'm really excited uh, to dive into, Palmer, how'd you get introduced to church and faith? What's some of your background with spiritual stuff? Well, as far back as I can remember, I'd been uh, taken to church. Uh, My father was a pastor growing up, but when I was uh, six years old, our family moved to Liberia, West Africa, where my parents were initially jungle missionaries in the world's thickest rainforest. And so I spent somewhere close to half my life living in Africa, but then um, moving back after college, I started serving as a as a student ministries pastor, then a college pastor, and then planted a church here in, in Arizona. That's awesome. Now, would you say that, you know, starting from that time, uh, even up to now, would you say that there's been a process and a journey within your faith? Absolutely. I I think, you know, especially coming back from Africa to start serving in college ministry, there are a lot of things that, that I saw that I thought— needed to change. And then starting a church, and at first I didn't want to because I thought it, it, it was uh, maybe too much work or it wasn't for me, but planting a church, it's like painting on a white canvas, Joey, and you get to shape the kind of church you've always dreamed of. And so at our church, The Grove, we've been able from our inception to focus on being a missional church a church that responds to issues of social justice, a people, a church that calls people to action. And so that's been one of my favorite things in pastoring the last uh, 15, 16 years, Joey. That is awesome, dude. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So great segue. Today we are discussing your new book, Justice Calling, and and some of the themes within it. Uh, but I think first when we hear those, those words like injustice, oppression, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, something always comes to mind. What comes to mind when you hear those words, just, you know, your perspective, when you hear injustice, oppression? For me, I, and and maybe it's my background growing up in Africa, but I am super aware of, I feel, of minorities being oppressed, of foreigners and immigrants being uh, demonized and marginalized. And so... You know, it's it's been a journey I've gone on because I've I've had so many people even say things like justice is not in the Bible or social justice. Don't use that kind of language. But the Bible is thick with our calls. 
So what are the most alarming forms of injustice that you see within the world, maybe within our country today? Yeah, you know, it's been shocking to me recently to see how uh, foreigners and especially immigrants are being treated as less than, as the other, even demonized to a degree. I, I you know, I've, I, like I said, I spent half my life in Africa, but half my life in America, and I haven't seen the xenophobia that I've seen now. And what I've been trying to teach recently, Joey, and write about is the Bible's call, going way back to Genesis, the books of Exodus and Leviticus, and then all the way through where God's people from from the very beginning were called to open their homes to foreigners and strangers. It's a very interesting thing. Hospitality is a central call in Scripture. And so that's been something we've been calling the people at the Grove to, the church I, I lead here in the Phoenix area. It's something I've been writing about, is inviting people to open their homes and even their dinner tables to strangers. And so we started to see a, a movement here, Joey. Hmm. How does that conversation begin? You know, do, do you just kind of say, well, this is the, what we see in the Bible, therefore you should do it? Or do you kind of have to bring people into that, that idea? Okay, good. Can I tell you what we've done here recently? So when we built a, a new worship space, we called it our worship house, and we filled it with a, an eclectic mix of furniture, including high-top bistro tables, coffee tables, couches. But I put in like a few big dining room tables that seat like 18 people. And we tell people, I, I try to remind people that, that tables, the dinner, was Jesus's favorite metaphor for the kingdom of heaven on earth that when he sat down for a meal, he would, he would talk about inviting in the strangers, inviting in the outsiders to sit, uh, to sit with him. And for Jesus, the table embodied the gospel, embodied the good news. And so we had talked about our tables, and I tried to remind people of that value often, but then we thought maybe that's not enough. Maybe we need to actually have a meal that does that, Joey. So we invited our entire church to sit down at one table in our grove. We're called the Grove because we bought 20 acres of pistachio trees to build our campus. And so we set up a table a thousand feet long. I invited uh, some of my pastor friends who lead uh, an African-American church in Chandler and a Hispanic church, and their people came. And we had people from almost 20 different countries sit down at one table that was a thousand feet long, over a thousand people. And the message was, is the message is, is that when we sit at the table as one, Jesus is there and, 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 and it kind of reminds us and represents his presence among us. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's a really cool metaphor. And, and now how have your people responded to that? You know, it's been incredible. You want me to tell you what that's led to next? It's been pretty life changing. Um, what happened next is. Homeland Security approached pastors in our area, and first they started speaking to pastors of Hispanic churches. And then when I heard what was happening, I told some of my friends who pastor Hispanic churches, I said, well, I said, we want to be a part of it too. Because what's happening is in Phoenix, they bring 
uh, people who've applied for asylum or refugee status to then be allowed to go to different parts of the country until they have a hearing. And so they've been granted legal access into the country. And But Homeland Security has told us we can't just drop them off at Greyhound. And so we're looking for homes where they can spend one, two or three nights. And so on a Sunday morning, I got up and I asked our people, is there anyone here who would host strangers in your home from another country for one or two or three or four nights? And that first day, I didn't know if we'd have five or six people respond, Joey, but we had 63 people open their homes up. And, and my wife and I also hosted a number of families. But now about once a month, we host these families that are on their way to their temporary home in our country. And so I get all kinds of stories from people in our church and our community who say their children now look forward to the next guest, the next strangers that they'll have in their home. And, and they even tell me that now when these families leave, their kids are crying because they're, they've made new friends so quickly. So that's just one of the small things that's come out of those meals. We've had these one table dinners that we started holding once a year. Now, some of that work, as great as it is, and as many people that come alongside it are, this work can seem overwhelming at times. What's a first step if somebody was mm. interested in, yeah. in you know, beginning this process? They recognize that they want to step into this, mm. uh, but they don't know how. How can the average person then step in and say, this is now going to be a part of my spirituality? I love that question, Joey, because... A lot of times we think, even Christians, we think, well, doing justice or showing compassion is for the large NGOs, for the, the experts in the field. And, I want to, and, and the whole reason I wrote the book Justice Calling is to remind everyone that God has laid a justice calling on your heart. And sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we live deaf to it. But I encourage everyone to to start serving in an area where they feel compelled. And I feel that God calls us all in different directions. But I think everyone needs to realize we need to stop waiting for someone else to solve the problems of this world. I'll share one quick example. I, I get to speak on college campuses around the country. And when I'm in like their cafeterias, I love reading the flyers that they put up in the lobby. They're, they're, they're usually crazy. But I was on the Point Loma campus in San Diego, and a, a sophomore by the name of Christian had put up flyers, and she called her ministry a Beacon of Light Ministry. And she said, meet in the Nice dorm kitchen at uh, 5 o'clock on Wednesdays. We're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and then we're driving through downtown San Diego to share them with people who are hungry. So what I love about that, Joey, is that Christian – even though she's just a sophomore in college, does not think the hungry of San Diego are someone else's problem. And Christian is not waiting for someone else to solve the problems of hunger in our country, but she's taking one small step by making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so, you know, another reason I write Justice Calling is to say that firsthand experiences matter, that maybe sending a check or donating online isn't the best way to respond to the needs of the world. I would challenge people to find the first small step that they can take to do justice or to show compassion. Now, maybe you don't have 
the answer on this, but I would love your perspective. Where do you think that mentality came from? I, I've heard it as the 2080 rule that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Um, but y there is this, this mentality of, well, it's somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. Somebody else will do it. And it's not just in social justice. We find it in the church too. Right. Where do you, th where do you think that stems from? <laughs> I think often saying the large organizations will handle it or a donation will take care of it gets us off the hook. And I think there's other things we want to pursue like pleasure and leisure maybe rather than, but, but here's what's so interesting. The most fulfilling thing, the most meaningful thing that people will ever do in their lives is to serve another person, but they don't know that until they start to give their lives away. And so kind of a mantra of mine has been, give your life away to change this world and God will change you. And what I write about in Justice Calling is that spiritual formation and social justice are absolutely inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Because even Christ, when we read Matthew 25, he's talking about the sheep and the goats. And he's talking about separating the sheep out and he says, the ones who will go and be with my father in heaven are the ones who fed me when I was hungry. They were the ones who visited me when I was in prison. Uh, they're the ones who gave me a place to stay when I was a stranger. They're the ones who cared for me when I was sick. And so you can't separate. Jesus draws a straight line from our spirituality to what we do or do not do about issues of compassion and justice. And, and the kicker is when we start to live that way, it changes us. I think we, be, we become a different kind of people. I've watched it happen hundreds and hundreds of times. Hmm. Now, something I've noticed a little bit, and I mentioned that I'm a big fan of your work, but especially within your book, True Religion, is that you write from your firsthand experiences. Hmm. You know, as an author, but also as as somewhat of a storyteller, why do you think that it's important that it's not just stories you're gathering, but it's something that you're living out? Well, because I think the things we do every day are a picture of where our hearts are. And it starts very simply, I think, for just when people go to work, how do you treat the people that you go to college with? How do you treat the people you go to high school with? How do you treat the people you work with, you bank with, you go to the gym with your friends? And I write about this going all the way back to true religion. I write about the Imago Dei, the image of God, and how if we can start to see that every person who we cross paths with, with is made in the divine image of God, I think it changes everything that regardless of race, nationality, immigration status, uh, male or female, they are made in the image of God. And so because of that, they are worth dignity and respect. And when we start to treat people that way, I think it, it changes our relationships, it changes how we view them, it changes where we wanna spend our time, and in the end, it changes us. And I think it makes us more the kind of people that Jesus Christ wanted us to be. And Palmer, I really enjoyed our conversation. As we sort of bring our time to a close, what's something that you think the church needs to hear from somebody in your position that would help us all move in a more positive direction? It could be on the ideas that we were just discussing, or maybe it's just something that you're observing from your corner of the world. Yeah, it, it goes back to what I just said. I think 
that if we can start using different words, words of blessing and love and grace to talk about people that are uh, from a different country or place or ethnicity, I think that's a starting point. I think treating every person with dignity and respect is a starting point. I think if in our churches, every pastor would call people to serve, not just serve in the church, for example, handing out bulletins or parking cars or even teaching Sunday school, as good as those things are, leading a small group, those are great things, but actually serving in a meaningful way in their community, finding a need, whether it's planting a community garden. Can, can, I, can I read a manifesto that I wrote for Barefoot Tribe, Joey? Okay, because in my book, Barefoot, do you, I, I'm not sure if I could just mention real quick why I wrote uh, it's it's the book I wrote just before Justice Calling. But we had started holding Barefoot Sundays uh, because I didn't feel that most of the people, at least in my church, were convinced that one fifth of the world's population lives in extreme poverty, less than two dollars a day. And so we started every year holding a Barefoot Sunday. I would ask people to come to church wearing their best shoes and go home barefoot and stay like that the rest of the day. And then we give their shoes away in places like Africa. And the, the last time we took shoes, it was like 15,000 pairs. But I grew up in, in the jungles of Africa where most of my friends ran barefoot. We played soccer every day and they played barefoot and their, their toes would bleed from the jiggers when we played and they would, they would cry. And so when I got older, every time I traveled back, I'd fill my suitcases with, with shoes. And finally I told our people, I said, I don't have enough shoes. I need yours too. Now, at first, my sons told me it was the worst idea I had that nobody was going to show up on Barefoot Sunday. But the good news is, Joey, they were wrong. Um, but out of that invitation to take the one small step of sharing a pair of shoes that everybody can do, I, I wrote this, this manifesto, kind of a list of challenges, things that I would challenge our church and Christians and churches across the country to start to do differently. And these, these ended up being chapters, uh, each became a chapter in, in, in Barefoot Tribe. And I start with this, we will stop injustice. The second one is we will embrace people of every race and nationality. Third, I have, we will become social entrepreneurs and empower fair trade for we will become modern day abolitionists and stop the sex trade. Uh, next, we will end extreme poverty. We will stop the spread of pandemics like AIDS and malaria. And next, we'll put down our weapons and promote peace. Next, we will promote sustainability and care for the environment. Then I have, we will live simply so that we can share more. And then we will create more art and make the world beautiful. We will take pieces of heaven to places of hell on earth. And finally, we will love like Christ always. So that's the list of challenges that I'm trying to spread, not just here in, in the Phoenix area, but across the country, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it seems daunting, almost like, wow, that, that's a long list. And, but, but each of those, correct me if I'm wrong, has an implication with how you choose to live every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a handle there for everybody, and the handles can be small. It, 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 it can be, you know, help teaching art. It, it can be planting a community garden. It can be something very small to start with. Hmm. 
That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people connect with the book? Tell us about the church and, and anything else you got going on. Yeah, thank you for asking. Well, I, on my website are connections to uh, it's palmerchinchin.com uh, or jointhetribe.org. If you go to jointhetribe.org and there's ways to connect over hosting, for example, your own Barefoot Sunday or your own one table event. Uh, but I would encourage people to start uh, taking the first step to show compassion or to do justice. Find the first small step that you can take. That's awesome. We'll make sure we list it all in the show notes. But again, Palmer, thank you so much for being on the show. My privilege, Joey, and, and love your passion. Thank you for what you're doing. You're making a difference, my friend. That wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. You've been listening to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Visit us at dismantlepod.com. Thank you.